0: We are Bike. Welcome to another episode of the Ace of Spades Dynasty League pod.
1: Turn this shit up, me.
0: Y'all know who the fuck it is, man. It's the host with the most Cam, aka the Dynasty Demigod. AKA. The Ace of Spades, Thanos. A.K.A. The nigga with four of them things. A.K.A. Mister. You fuck with me, you fucking with the best. Follow me on Twitter at Sober. And I'm not alone. I'm in the lab with Andy Buckler. A.K.A. Built. Different Buck. You can follow him on Twitter at Andy underscore Buckler. Andy, what's good?
1: Hey, what's good, man? Glad to be back, man. Gang shit, no lame shit. Let's get right to it. Gang, 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 gang.
0: All right, we got (laughs) a lot to cover on this podcast. Let's get right into it, man. Uh, Let's start with some NFL news and notes. We have a Monday night football recap. What were your takeaways from Monday night football? I really, really enjoyed that game. How about you?
1: Yeah, I (laughs) I can't even cap. I didn't enjoy the game at all because I I didn't enjoy the game because I got smoked by Cole Beasley in three leagues. And I watched uh, this, this, like, ugly-ass Tennessee offense with Ryan Tannehill that he started off, like, I think he started off seven for 17. But, like, from a football standpoint, it was a good game. I enjoyed it. But fantasy, it almost made me want to quit fantasy football yesterday.
0: I, you know, I enjoyed it, but before we get into my enjoyment, I have to revisit, you know, a comment that just really just took me the fuck out last night. And this, for for everybody who didn't see the comment, I just want y'all to know that when Buck was losing his matchups, he, he, he texted me, he DM'd me on Twitter and he said, Hey man, this fantasy shit's ass. I'm about to start going to the track and betting on horses like them old motherfuckers be doing. I do that shit on GTA and it'd be decent. <laughs> Bro, my, I was reading this shit Like, bro, what is you on? <laughs> like, And I showed this to my wife, man She just started cracking up laughing But yeah, you was going through it last night Now back to me I enjoyed it The artist formerly known as Arthur Juan Buster Now known as Flu Game Mike Jordan He came through You know Seven catches for 91 yards and a half Should have had a blown coverage touchdown But, you know um, Ryan Midahill you know, missed him, didn't see him. But, you know, I enjoyed it. But but I didn't enjoy anything more than just watching King Henry in the flesh. I mean, we had a take that we had to cut out of this pod just due to time. But I, I just, I, I think at this point you're better off just eating the loss on Derrick Henry in Dynasty when he does fall off a cliff as opposed to Every offseason talking down on him trying to get get ahead of the fall off, Like we do with Travis Kelsey every year. Everybody's like, no, he's no longer Dynasty Titan 1 because of his age. And then he continues to go out there and put up overall Titan 1 seasons. It, it's it's crazy to think, Buck, Derrick Henry is literally getting better every season. That is not me being hyperbolic. He's getting better every fucking season. He's on pace for almost 50, 50 catches. Like it, he's 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 the clear overall RB one. Even if CMC was playing, I'm not sure if CMC would have a higher point per game. And this is in this is in PPR. You know, I think Christian McCaffrey before he exited late uh, week three, he was averaging somewhere around 29 points per game, and Henry's averaging, uh, I believe, a, a little a little over 30, a hair over 30. So, give me your thoughts on Derrick Henry from a dynasty perspective. Like we didn't fade the big dog coming into the season, but we weren't nearly as bullish as we should have been. Like, what are your, what are your thoughts now on Derrick Henry as it proceeds to rest the season and in Dynasty?
1: I lost. <laughs> <would be> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, we've been talking about, like, Derrick Henry as being this Dynasty sell for three years, and it turns out he was, like, the best buy in Dynasty, <laughs> realistically. Man. But, no, I mean, I think, uh, like you said, I think you just eat the loss. Like, there should be no trying to sell a year early on him. And just kind of just ride, ride what you got, ride it out. He's going to be amazing this year. Obviously the running back one, he probably will be next year too. And this is a guy that we got to remember, like he played behind DeMarco Murray for like three years. So he's 28 or he, he's either turning 28 or he is 28. But he also, like, he started his career late. Like, he was a backup. So mm-hmm. he doesn't have, like, I know people say running back mileage is a lie. But he doesn't have as much. But his pace for carries right now is ridiculous. I think he has 156 carries already. Like, that's insane that like, he's going to break over 400. And we have that curse of, like, 300 or whatever. He doesn't apply he He's going to do it again. Yeah, it, it's crazy. And, like, a lot of people on Twitter are saying that he shouldn't have been a top five redraft pick because he doesn't have the ceiling. I mean, he's putting up 35 pointers. I guess nothing.
0: Yeah, they said, you know, you know, age Twitter and workload Twitter. You know, they asked Mike Vrabel and they said, you know, can you give Derrick Henry back to back 350 carry seasons? And Vrabel said,
1: <laughs> "Come on, man, we can't do that." Hell yeah, we can. We the police. We can do
0: the fuck we want <laughs> to. Just... He said he don't give a he don't give a fuck about you know overusing Derrick Henry. That offense is built around Derrick Henry, and they're gonna run him. You know, into the ground. You know, they're gonna run him as as they see fit. I don't think Derrick Henry is made of the same shit that other people are made out of. Like, you know, th- this dude. You watch him on a play by play, and he just takes these massive hits and lower body hits. You know, some of the same hits that had Gronk missing multiple games every season because he's taller. You know, he's a six three running back, and you would just think after all those hits to the leg and and thigh and ankle, like, how is this dude like never missed like? How does he never how has he never missed a meaningful game? It's just it's just absolutely insane uh the pace that Derrick Henry's on this year and what he's been able to do since the second half of the twenty eighteen season. Anyway, any additional takeaways from Monday Night Football before we move on?
1: No, I just wanted to say about Henry, like he's on some LeBron shit, like where he spends a mm-hmm. million dollars a year on his body and just like I mean the yeah. dude he's just he's a demigod. So yeah, I don't it think is. I don't think I have any other uh takeaways except that uh Stefan Diggs finally had his breakout game, finally had his game. Should have had a bigger game, too. But. Should have had a
0: bigger game. A lot of Stefan Diggs' woes have been due to the inconsistency of Josh Allen, even though Josh Allen's having you a know, fantastic fantasy season. There were a couple. Diggs should have had two touchdowns last night. Um, but it's all good. Diggs is going to be, it looks like a back-end you know, wide receiver one at best this season. That's one of the L's coming in. I thought he could be the number one overall wide receiver. It just seems like. Last season with the DeAndre Hopkins thing, and we could talk about him for a bit. But DeAndre Hopkins and Stephon Diggs, it seems that due to COVID, and this is all you know, I'm I'm speculating. I, I really don't know why, but because of COVID, it seems like those offenses last year didn't really have a ton of time to prepare. So they were just like, all right, we got we got DeAndre Hopkins and we got Diggs. We're just gonna throw the ball to these motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. And and now it's like not that these offenses like Josh Allen has another year and Brian Dable scheme in. Um, Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury scheme with additional weapons. You know, Aj Green and, and Rondell Moore are you know step up in competition from fucking Andy Isabella and 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 Keyshawn Johnson, the fake Keyshawn Johnson in, in Arizona. So you know you got increased target competition on both teams, and you have quarterbacks developing in the offenses, and, and and maybe that's you know a more realistic indication of what we can expect from these wide receivers. You know, DeAndre Hopkins is down to around a 19% target share. I, I believe it's the lowest in his career, and he can still play. They just don't have to force feed him the ball. Anyway, let's do the rest of this rundown. Dak Prescott has a calf. We're not too worried about that until we get additional uh, news, but it seems like the bye week came at a perfect time, and maybe he can suit up for week eight. Kareem Hunt, on the other hand, is out several weeks with a calf injury. What do you think about two things? Nick Chubb solo show. Do we get an opportunity to see Nick Chubb in a full-on workhorse role after this week because he's already been ruled out? And Dearness Johnson, what do we expect from him? You know, anytime you can pick up a guy off the waiver wire, even if it's for, uh, even if it's for a week or two, anybody that can give you 12 to 15 touches off the waiver wire is a pretty, pretty nice bet. So what do you think about this whole backfield situation as it's shaping out so far?
1: Yeah. I hope we can get a uh, solo Nick Chubb kind of, uh, the year uh cream hunt was suspended we saw nick chubbin like take on a bigger role and get like five even like five targets a game i so would good. i would love to see that he was so you good. know he could catch the ball he just doesn't get opportunities to but as far as Dearness johnson like we did the Dearness johnson thing last year mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know i mean i think he's worth an ad but i don't think he'll ha- like i think he's like a maybe he'll get 15 carries and I don't think we'll catch any passes because they have Dimitri Felton, who's kind of a scat pack there, who doesn't have a single carry all year. So it seems like that's how they just want to use him. He's not going to be involved as a rusher. So I think like as an ad, like Deion Johnson's worth it. He's probably a flex play, but I don't see like big potential with him because I don't see him catching the ball. And we have a hurt Baker, so it might just be a terrible offense. And Odell's hurt, too. So it might just be a stay away on Thursday night.
0: I think so, too. I, I think. Two sides of that, right? Like, we know Dearness Johnson is, you know, he's not really a thing. Like, we we got the opportunity to see him last year. He's the fill-in for, you know, Nick But I think the more valuable fill-in would probably be the change of pace, Kareem Hunt role because he's the guy who's going to get the targets. If we see Case Keenum, though, you know, Demetric Felton may be a better flex play than even Dearness Johnson. But, like I said, it's week seven. This is when the waiver um, starts getting really important because we have so many teams. We have six teams on a bye this week. So, like I said, if you could pick up a player and put them in your flex in a week that, you know, six teams are on bye, it's probably a pretty good bet. I agree. Like, Nick Chubb is in a position to absolutely smash if he's without his running mate for even a week or two. So, I'd be really interested um, uh, to see how that plays out. Rashad Bateman debut in uh, the Ravens offense, first game. I know it was a weird type. Of game script, me and Kirk called Baltimore versus LA the Soldier Boy shootout of the week. That didn't fucking pan out because the Chargers offense was completely neutralized by the Ravens defense. That team is just really good. I think from um, a front office and coaching staff perspective, they, they're like top three in the league every year. Just what they're able to do uh, on both sides of the football, even after having, you know, they're their top three in the league on the most injured players list. I think they have 18 players out now. Ronnie Stanley just got put on IR. He's out for the season with, I think, a foot injury. Don't quote me on that, but he's, I know he's out for the season. Um, shot Bateman, first game, even though the game was weird, out targets Marquise Hollywood Brown. Do you think this is any indication of how it's going to look going forward, or do you think the number one on the team is still going to be Hollywood Brown and it was just a weird game?
1: See, I, I still think it would be Hollywood, but I was really encouraged what I, encouraged what I saw. He, uh, Rashad Bateman played 63% of the snaps, ran 19 routes, and got six targets. And he, we saw him, like, make a couple guys miss on some of the targets. He only had 29 yards, but he still did look good. Like, he he showed some rackability. So I, think, uh, I still think it would be Hollywood Brown, but I think Rashad Bateman is going to definitely be, like, a startable player for the rest of the year.
0: Top 40 or you no? Know?
1: I think he could. I think he could. With the way Lamar is passing, I think so.
0: Yeah, I'm interested to see Rashad Bateman now in a game script where Lamar Jackson has to pass the ball on a, a lot. Let's see what that looks like. All right, uh, Gino Smith.
1: Uh, <laughs> thoughts on Gino? Yeah, I think that I think that summed it up right there.
0: I think so too. Jerry Judy close to return. We aren't going to see him next week, uh, this upcoming week, but maybe we see him the week after that, and hopefully, if not, definitely the week after that, are you excited to get Jerry Judy back in the fold? Do we only have one? Do we only roster Jerry Judy in one league?
1: Yeah. Well, one redraft league. We only have him. I have him in a couple. I think we have him in some solo leagues uh, without home, yeah. uh, but yeah, I'm happy to see him come back. Uh, Cause he looked like he was set to break out in that first half against the Giants. He had 73 yards and uh, most of it was on, a lot of it was on Bradbury who kind of been watched this season, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see him back. I mean, it's going to, it might take a couple of weeks cause he is like, you know, he's a route runner. So the yep. ankle, it might, he might be a little like, it might just be rusty, but I'm glad to see him at least be back and build some more chemistry with Teddy and maybe close out the season pretty strong.
0: Definitely. Not only is Jerry Judy a route runner, he is a, a, a dynamic route runner, like elite explosive change of pace route runner, like shifting gears route runner. His ankles are very important to him. So, I'm not expecting a ton for Jerry Judy down the stretch until the very end of the season when I think he's going to be 100%. I think it's going to take quite some time. Hopefully they don't rush him back, and hopefully he doesn't play until he's feeling 100%. But ankle injuries are always really tricky. We have another guy at the bottom of this list, but I'll put him at the top because we're talking about ankles. Michael Thomas seems to be two weeks away from two weeks away. This is kind of nerve-wracking for me just because I saw it with Galladay. I saw it with Mixon last year. Are we going to see Michael Thomas play in 2021?
1: I don't know, man. I know uh, coming into the season, I kind of said that I think there's a chance he doesn't play all year, and that we just don't like. It's every week we're going to get the update. Oh, he's closer. He's closer. I mean, I hope he plays. I'm not sure. Like, I don't want to make a definitive statement, but if he doesn't play all year, it it definitely wouldn't shock me.
0: If he doesn't play all year, a lot of my teams are going to be. I mean, I'm winning without him, but you know, you, (laughs) you 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 plan on having him down the stretch as, you know, your wide receiver three with wide receiver one upside. And, you know, I'd be really, really depressed if he doesn't come back. Anyway, Jared Goff struggles again and gets called out by his head coach, Dan Campbell, who likes to bite kneecaps and cry at press conferences. What do you think about Jared Goff's struggles? And do you think he should be under as much scrutiny as he is, seemingly by his coaching staff, given that his wide receiver one is some gentleman by the name
1: of Khalif? Raymond, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think Jericho stinks, but, but <laughs> I, I, I really do. I, I think he stinks. I thought he was a McVay puppet for the whole time he was with the Rams, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, that team sucks. I mean, I mean they're giving goal right. line carries to Swift down 40. Like that team, the team is terrible. So I don't know. I mean, you could call him out all you want, but like, who are they going to put in to play quarterback? They don't have any better options. So you might as well just like uh, try there to aren't. give the guy some type of like yeah. make him a little like don't them, shit on him that bad.
0: Yeah, give him some confidence. I mean, there aren't really there aren't very many quarter good quarterbacks around the league. You know what I mean? So I talked about this on previous podcasts so much of QB production comes from their environment. And, you know, Jared Goff isn't in a good offensive environment. And we've seen Goff, in a good offensive environment, perform well for, you know, this is a fantasy football podcast, uh, podcast, so he's performed well for fantasy um, when he's had good weapons and a good scheme. So, I don't know. I don't think Jared Goff's very good, but I didn't think the criticism by his head coach is warranted. That's a big red flag when coaches very early in their tenure start to call out players, especially their quarterback. Uh, So, Dan Campbell should tread lightly. You know, I don't think Jared Goff is going to outlast him in Detroit, but, uh, you know, the next quarterback probably will. So he should be careful. Uh, Cooper Cup on pace, 430 catches, 1,850 yards, and 20 touchdowns. What are we thinking about Cooper Cup rest of the season? He's, is he a locked-in top five wide receiver rest of the season?
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I think he has to be. I mean, that uh, that connection is crazy. I think he has to be at least. Uh, I mean, he's gonna finish as a top five wide receiver just because how like far ahead he is of everybody. Yeah, I think you just gotta look at him as a top five uh, wide receiver for the rest of the season. I mean, it's crazy what he's doing, and even if it's a lot of like design plays, like it's not like he's really out here going ah ah make a motherfucking miss with the line. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they're scheming stuff up for him. He's getting open, and Matt Stafford loves him. So.
0: I agree. Yeah, he's he's a locked in top five play for me. He's gonna finish like you said, top five. He's so far ahead and. You know, he's the Steph Curry of wide receivers this year. You know, they're, they're building their, their passing game offense around creating opportunities for Cooper Cup. You know, there was the one squeaky Will Robert Woods game, and then Woods went right back to setting picks for Cooper Cup. So he, he he's going to finish as a top five wide receiver because seemingly his coaching staff wants him to. Uh, anyway, Pitts versus Hawkinson. You know, we, we came into the the, the season – you and I with a with a bit of a debate in, in teams that we co managed, you know, I wanted the upside and profile of Kyle Pitts, understanding that the team was probably going to use him like a wide receiver. And you wanted the safety and stability of TJ Hawkinson, given the upside that he was probably the most talented pass catcher on his team. And the first two weeks of the season it looked like I got absolutely smoked. Hawkinson was playing out of his mind. Jared Goff was feeding him. It looked like he was about to have a historic season. But then Kyle Pitts comes out in week five and he says, who I smoke, TJ, <laughs> who I smoke, Buck?" <laughs> and I wonder, can he finish as a top five tight end, you know, given that we've seen his ceiling last week? I mean, he sprinkles in a couple games like this. It's not hard to break into that top five tight end. What are the chances, you know, Kyle Pitts finishes ahead of TJ in this season?
1: I think it's possible, but you know, TJ Hawkinson came out this week and he said, When I see you and had another <laughs> had another good game. He finally had like his first good game in a few weeks. Mm. And i I was happy to see it. He did it without a touchdown too. I think he was like seven for ninety, don't quote me. Something like that. So uh I'm still gonna take Hawkinson the rest of the season just because uh we have this little battle going with these two players. I gotta stick yeah. with it. I can't I can't give up. But yeah, I think uh, I think Pitts could finish his top five with uh, TJ Hawkinson at a tight end four. <laughs>
0: All right, moving on. Uh, Kadarius Tony uh, seems to have suffered a pretty serious ankle injury. Real quick, um, I know you just made a trade where you received Kadarius Tony in a dynasty league. uh, Like I said, really quick, why don't you tell the league about the trade that you made and how are you feeling about the trade so far? And then we can talk briefly about Kadarius Tony and why the entire dynasty community pretty much slept on him and, and what we think his outlook is moving forward as a dynasty asset.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I traded away uh, in a league we're in together, uh, Jonathan Taylor. I was one in five Traded away Jonathan Taylor for a package of three first round picks, two in 2022, one in 2023 and Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony was kind of like the centerpiece for me. He's a player I went out to go get, you know, I missed on him, have him in no other league because I faded him just like most of the community did. But, I uh, I mean, this dude could play like we watched him come out even on a Sunday before he got hurt, had thirty five yards on three catches and for th- uh four snaps of the game, had one ninety the week before, he's just like the dude's just like electric on the open field but uh, uh in terms of his injury i'm kind of I'm happy they said he's going to avoid IR and he might he's not going to play this week, but he might play the week after. I really think they should just sit him down. Like he shouldn't even have played on Sunday. They worked him out before the game and they saw him laboring. So played him like these coaches just don't give a shit, but he did. It seems like he avoided like something super serious, like a serious high ankle sprain or something. But yeah, Tony has an asset. I mean, he's, he's, I don't know where, like you would rank him in dynasty wide receivers, but he has to be a top 24 dynasty wide receiver, I think.
0: I agree with everything you just said. Kadarius Tony. you know, first and foremost about the injuries, you know, it doesn't seem like coaches really care about player safety all that much, you know, just around the, around the board. But Kadarius Toney, they should probably place him on IR. Just ankle injuries are pretty serious, especially for players that are explosive. So hopefully they don't rush him back. In terms of his dynasty outlook, I mean, we could go on a 10-minute tangent about Kadarius Toney, right? Because, I mean, we've seen – He's shown a big enough sample size for me in a game and a half. Like this it was just a whiff by how people evaluated him coming into the season. You could argue he's wide receiver two behind Jamar Chase in this class. Um based on his, his draft capital and what we've seen on tape and his opportunity. Um I'm not saying that that I'm there yet, but um you could argue that, you know, <laughs> Like I said, I don't want to. I don't want to go into too big of a tangent, but the, the kid is super talented. He's super talented, and he didn't have the collegiate profile, but he has the NFL profile. You know, he did have the production his senior season. He was a late declare, but when you take into account his draft capital and his production when he finally got on the field, it's going to be a really interesting valuation for Kadarius Tony when the season ends. And I'm going to be interested to see where people are taking him in startups next year, especially if he finishes the season. Strong. You got this lingering Kenny Galladay injury. You know, we saw Kenny Galladay last year just not come back. And uh, we never know what's going on with Kenny, Kenny G and his injuries or how hobbled he's going to be when he comes back. Um, so if it's a scenario where it's just Kadarius Toney and Sterling Shepard, who also has difficulty staying on the field, we could just see an absolutely monster stretch from Kadarius Toney at some point uh, towards the end of the season. Once he gets once he gets healthy, assuming he comes back healthy. Um, and final note on the trade that you made, you know, I thought it was a, a a great trade. I thought it was a beautiful trade for you. Um, sending away Jonathan Taylor. If you're going to send away, you know, a top three dynasty running back, that's the type of package that I'd be looking to receive, you know, three first round picks and a player that could potentially ascend into, you know, a top 20 dynasty wide receiver, which I think at this point, Kadarius Tony is probably a good bet to do that. So wrapping that up, uh, any final thoughts on Kadarius Tony?
1: No, I think uh, you said it all. The only thing is that he's doing this on the outside, which is just like, yeah, uh, who would have thought? Not me. (laughs) Look at us. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) you.
0: you, I mean, like I said, we could go on ten minutes about Kadarius Tony. Just, I I mean, I'm really mind blown. You know, Um, Matt Harmon did his reception perception. You know, Kadarius Tony showed up very poorly, but it could have been to do with you know the, the deployment and how he was used, and the fact that he just got better over the summer. You know, he had all the physical tools. He's a really good athlete. And he has he is good size, you know, pause. But um uh, <laughs> you know, what he what he's shown against, you know, the D on the outside is, is route running the limited sample size we have. I mean, I don't know, there there aren't many things to knock Kadarius Tony for at this point. So people who faded him, you know, gotta take the L. People who are indifferent about him, you know, like myself, you know, gotta take the L, you know, because he had the NFL, you know, profile that you want. Goes into a team that had, you know, a bunch of opportunity for him drafted him in the first round. Should have been a bit more bullish on his profile coming into the NFL than we were. So anyway, last bit of news. Zach Ertz was traded from the Philadelphia Eagles to the Arizona Cardinals. What do you think this means for the Cardinals offense? And what do you think this means for Dallas Goddard in Philadelphia?
1: Uh, For the Cardinals, I just um, I think it's uh, a real big upgrade for them. I mean, they were using Max Williams. Giving him a decent amount of targets, and I think Ertz is better than him. So another weapon for uh, for Kyler. They like to spread the ball around, so it's going to be more annoying for Hopkins, who's already like getting used, like he's like just a normal wide receiver. But so I think it's annoying for that. But as far as Goddard, like I think I might. This might be like a hot take, but I think if you can use this news as a sell, like I'd sell Dallas Goddard. I think he's one of those overrated players in Dynasty, and we've been doing this thing for so long. Like yeah, he'll finally get his chance, but I don't know. Like I, I think he's a sell. He's probably a top ten tight end for the rest of the season. But like, what's that? Like, what's what's tight end ten?
0: Yeah, I think I don't necessarily disagree with what you said, but I'm kind of indifferent because this news doesn't make me value Dallas Goddard any differently. So if he wasn't a sell before, he isn't a sell now. For me, at least, unless somebody. Is thinking of it through the scope that you are the inverse of that, and saying like they want to pay a premium for Goddard because they think his role is going to expand significantly. But I mean, I I really don't. You know, the Philadelphia Eagles they they really love that kid, that converted tight end from quarterback Tyree Jackson, and they said he's he's definitively going to have a role behind Goddard. You know, they're going to run they're going to use two tight ends. You know, so this doesn't change how I value Dallas Goddard at all. I I thought he was a top ten dynasty tight end coming in. He's he's still top ten for me. He could potentially break into the top six, top five rest of the season. I mean, we we just don't know. I mean, we're just projecting based on you know the limited information we have. But I'm not super excited about him. Um, but I don't know. I think he's a good player. Um, I don't I don't share the same thoughts um, you do in terms of his dynasty value or how it's been. Just because I don't, I'm not in any circles that really value him that high to begin with. So yeah. Anyway, that wraps up the NFL news and notes. Let's talk about a week six. Ace of Spades recap before we get into the team by team. Any takeaways from any of the matchups in Ace of Spades that you want to call out before we get into the team by team here?
1: No, I just think uh, I had I, I was real interested in you and Justin's matchup. That was a crazy matchup. <laughs> I was watching that all night while well, I was getting smoked by Cole Beasley. I had something to take my mind off of it. So I was watching your guys' matchup. That shit was oh uh, shit was real crazy.
0: Yeah, shout out to shout out to my opponent, Heavy Low. I, I mean. You've only been in the league for half a season, so you you haven't seen any of our, our matchups in the past. But, you know, it, it's kind of like the the most, you know, talked about rivalry in Ace of Spades over the past, you know, eight, nine years, like Justin versus myself. We met in the grand final uh, four years in a row at one point. It's just an, an incredible run and in rivalry by the two teams. Um Separated myself a bit from Justin over the past couple of years, but Justin is, he, he's a, if not the most well-respected, well one of the most well-respected GMs in Ace of Spades history, not even by, just by current league mates, but previous league mates as well. I mean, he's hes a legend, you know, in Ace of Spades. So it's always super fun going against him. We we both want to win really badly, but there is a level of humility and respect that we have for each other. Not a lot of trash talk there because we both take this like very seriously. We both take our matchups very seriously. And, it's always fun when we play, bro, because all of our matchups end like that. They all go like that, like to the wire. Like no matter whose team is really good that year, whose team has been struggling a bit, like both teams usually always turn up when we play each other. So, yeah, I, I share the same sentiment. That was my biggest takeaway from week six um, rivalry game between Justin and myself. It, it came down to the wire. Unfortunately, Dawson Knox got injured and wasn't able to finish the game. Who knows if I even win that game or how close the score would be, but I end up winning by like six or seven points. Um no thoughts on your 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 matchup with Danny. I asked Danny to share some thoughts, and he was like, "I don't really have anything to say." You know, my team's been underperforming and Bucks rebuilding. Do you have any takeaways from from your own matchup?
1: Yeah, just uh, just keep getting smoked, man. But it's all <laughs> good. It, it's all part of the plan. I, I'm gonna catch somebody the next. I'm gonna okay. get, I'm gonna get me one. But now uh, I I caught Danny on a bad week. His team uh, had the highest scoring points of the week. So Kenny's what it is. I appreciate you, Danny, though, because I I don't really want no wins right now. So thanks for that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, a couple other interesting matchups. The Kurt versus Tyreek matchup coming in was really, really close. And then, you know, Tannehill shit the bed and just gave Tariq absolutely no chance. And Josh Allen just did what Josh Allen has been doing for the past season and a half. And he drops, you know, close to 40 points. And it's unfortunate to see the game end like that. You know, Tariq um, didn't have Kareem Hunt finish the game. Uh, Tyler Lockett was subject to Geno Smith. And, you know, he got a combined 30 points from Baker Mayfield and Tannehill. So it's just kind of a lame way to end, you know, a really promising matchup um, going into, you know, Sunday afternoon. Last takeaway is, you know, Isaiah's team. And um, I'm sorry, this isn't the last takeaway. I have a couple comments from around the league. But Isaiah was projected for like 180 points or 170-something points, and then he finishes with like 200 points because the big dog goes out there and puts up, you know, 40 <laughs> points. His team is just – this is the scariest team in the league to me. I think you know, even with how good you know Kurt's team is, and um, how deep my team is, when you have these elite players at every position, like you know Kyler Murray, who can give you a QB one overall week any week, Derrick Henry, who can give you a RB one overall week any week, Devontae Adams, who can give you an RB uh, wide receiver one overall week any week. When you have players like that, bro, it's just it's just really easy to it's just really easy to win games you know because you you need those top end performances to reach ceilings and the rest of your team can kind of give you floor but when you have multiple super elite assets like that on a week to week basis the rest of your team doesn't have to click every week buck but when it does click like when the rest of your players click it's just all, it's almost impossible to beat builds like this this is like a stars and scrubs build in auction you know what i mean
1: yeah you got uh Devontae Adams having a floor game of fourteen points, but then you got Daryl Williams giving you twenty five. Yeah, I'm right. there yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, so he, he has a really interesting um team. I'm 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 anxious, more so anxious to see how that team's gonna turn out um in the in the postseason. But um got some comments from some guys around the league. Like I mentioned Danny's comment, Rio. To Chris, the only thing Rio wanted to say to Chris from their matchup is and I quote, Yeah, you know. End quote. So there's that. Chris get fucking smoked. Uh asked Burke for comment. He said, Nah, I played ant. That was that was actually not a now that I think about it, that actually like a really funny comment. Justin just wanted to show respect to KOD in our matchup this week, so shout out to Justin. It's always a pleasure going against him. And um, I think that's it. You're ready to get into the team by team. And after we wrap up the team by team, we can get into a little bit of 2022 Rookie Talks. That was a segment suggested by Rio. I'll run through that really quickly. But let's talk about our 12 teams in the Ace of Spades League from a dynasty perspective. We aren't going to rank teams because I think teams are impossible to rank in a two, three win- year window because you just never know what's going to happen. It's difficult enough to project game over game not going to sit here and pretend like i know what's going to happen 2 years from now but just based on talent draft picks and gm aptitude we can go division by division and talk about each team where we think they stand and what we think their outlook is over the next few seasons and try to project that out best we can just give some top of the mind thoughts on these guys and everyone who's listening to the podcast in the league you give your thoughts about you know our feedback and let us know if you disagree with something or, you know, what you think or if we if you guys think we got an outlook wrong, um, love to hear your feedback on that. So, Buck, you ready? You want to start with Division three? I don't know if you have your sleeper pulled up. If you don't go ahead and pull it up. But we can start with Danny's division whenever you're ready and talk about the four teams
1: here. All we right, uh, going to start with Justin.
0: Yeah, let's start with let's start with the king of the division, the, the Mr. Nine and three so far uh, going into week seven. Let's start with what we think about his team as it stands in his two, three-year window. I'll let you take Justin's team.
1: Yeah, for a two, two three-year window, I think he's uh, set up pretty good. You know, he has Dalvin Cook who should uh, – at least he finally he had a good game uh, back to, like, the Dalvin Cook we know this week, 140 yards coming off the ankle. And he'll still be a top uh, – at least, like, a top redraft running back next year. Another, He'll should have another elite season. Uh, but uh, you got, like, some guys, you know, like Jalen Hurts might not be a starter next year. But uh, you got like Waddle. That's a good piece. Uh, this and Tua. So like, lots some of the quarterbacks. There's questions here. Like with uh with Darnold and Hurts, I think that's like my biggest uh, biggest question because we just don't know if those guys are gonna be starters next year. I felt real good about Darnold, but now I just I don't know. And then he kind of got called out by uh, Matt Rule this week, so he might not be a starter. And then you have like some rental guys like James Robinson and Fournette. But uh, those guys, again, should probably be usable guys next year. So as far as like next year, I think he'll be able to be competitive. But after that, it might get a little rough. But he's a real good GM. And I know he'll be able to like make some shit shake and uh, fix his team up.
0: Yeah, I agree with everything you said. We've, we forgot about Judy sitting here on IR. But real quick, before we move on from Justin Seaman, we are going to move on really quickly because we have 11 other teams to talk about. And we want to wrap this pod up um, within a reasonable time frame. James Robinson. Hashtag good at football, right? Like he's he's just a new good, Chris Parson. Yeah, he's just a good fucking player. So I'm I'm not going to give a take one way or another because I was a heavy fader, heavy seller of James Robinson last year because I understood with the regime change. They weren't going to have any allegiance to James Robinson. And you could go back, you know, pods from literally 12 months ago. You know, it's very difficult to trust an undrafted free agent running back. Even Austin Eckler had to earn his stripes and it took a Melvin Gordon holdout for the chargers to want to extend him. So I'm interested. I'm intrigued. When you remember that show with um, um, on ESPN with that dude, I forget his name, but he had his dad on the show. And he'd be like, see, poppy, see that motherfucker. You know what I'm talking about? Highly, highly, highly questionable. questionable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm intrigued by this motherfucker, J. rob But yeah, Waddle's a good piece. We have mixed feelings about Deontay Johnson. I'm a bit more bullish on him. We also had mixed feelings about Mike Williams, but he's shown to be a lot better than he showed through the first four years of his rookie deal. But it looks like Mike Williams was miscast a bit and used in a role. That wasn't necessarily indicative of how talented he is. And I agree Dalvin Cook's going to go into next season as a top five RB in terms of production. He's going to be going into the season in terms of age that Derrick Henry is in right now. So who knows? Maybe Dalvin Cook can give us another, you know, top five season on a game per game basis. But I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. The quarterback situation can be a little scary as well as the lack of draft picks over the next you know three seasons but like you mentioned Justin's he's he's a good GM he's he's one of the most resourceful GMs that I've ever had the the opportunity to play alongside in any league like he just makes it happen no matter how little he finds a way to build a contending roster so I don't know he's he he surprises me every year every year I think he's gonna fall off a cliff and he does something with his roster and makes the playoffs I don't know but um yeah, I think his outlook for the rest of the season is, is good. He's a lot to make the playoffs, and he even has some pieces that should come back and help him. Real quick before we move on, what do you think about Julio Jones and Dynasty? He's, he's had, I think, seven uh, soft tissue injuries over the past like 18 months. Like He's 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 cooked, right?
1: Yeah, I'm starting to get uh, super nervous about him. He missed the two games, came back, and aggravated again. Like This might just be the cliff year for Julio. And it sucks to see because he's one of the greatest, but yeah, it yeah. looks like it, it, it. his time might be up.
0: Yeah, it's, it's time I'd be up. And, uh, you know, unfortunate, but, you know, this is the age, bro. It's the age 32 season. We see this with a ton of wide receivers historically. Like, this is usually the cliff here, age 32, uh, 32 to 33. Anyway, let's move on to the next team. I'll take this one. Who we got? We got Danny's team. Damn.
1: I'm
0: just giving Danny shit. So, Danny's a GM who made a lot of moves over the offseason that I really liked because he switched his strategy from being like a really conservative, hyper youth focused GM to somebody who really looked like they wanted to make a move to push really deep into the playoffs and maybe contend for a title. So, he went out and got, you know, Aaron Rodgers. He came and got DeAndre Hopkins and George Kittle for me. He kept his RBs. Um, one mistake I think Danny made coming into the season, if he was going to do this, you know, and I know Danny's excuse would be, you know, Aaron Rodgers was going back and forth on whether or not he was even going to play this year. So it made him nervous and he drafted Zach Wilson over Najee Harris. You know, I don't give a fuck if Aaron Rodgers, you know, had his leg amputated, you know, going into the draft. There's just no way in hell you can convince me to draft Zach Wilson over Najee Harris. And I think if his goal was to contend for a title, Just draft Najee Harris and trade him for middle and quarterback plus. You understand what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, it should uh, always be talent over
0: need. You take talent over need. You take the more valuable player over need. So his argument with the Aaron Rodgers argument is kind of a straw man because I don't give a fuck what Aaron Rodgers was. saying I don't give a fuck if he wanted to go host, if he wanted to do the reunion show on Bad Girls Club as the host. Like, who cares? You take (laughs) the best player. So... That was a silly move by Danny because I think if you insert Najee Harris into this lineup over any of his flexes, he's a he's a serious contender.
1: He also has two. He had two lockdown starting quarterbacks with Stafford and Carr. Either Stafford way. and
0: Carr, either way, either way. So even if Aaron, Roddy, you know, I, I think Danny. He's, he's somebody who's obsessed with QB depth. You know, I, I'm, I, I talk to Danny all the time about fantasy, so I have insights to his other dynasty rosters, and he's a guy who rosters three, four QBs in Superflex. You really don't need to do that. Technically, Superflex, Buck, it is a start one QB league. It is, it is a start one QB league. You know, having two QBs is a necessity in Superflex if you want to compete. Having three QBs is an absolute luxury. Having four QBs, you should probably be looking to shop a QB.
1: I agree. Yeah. I'm the three QB guy, but once I, like, sure. I always want three QBs, but once you get to four, yeah, that's when you should be sh- uh, shopping one of those guys for a position sure. player.
0: I always want a third QB as well, but I'm not going to lose any sleep if I don't have one because if push comes to shove and I need one, I always have enough capital and players on my bench to go get one. And you have to know your league as well. Like, Ace of Spades is a league that. You have been in Ace Space long enough, like motherfuckers ready to do business in Ace Space. You can pretty much get any position you want in Ace Space. Like you, you know that just from your few months being in the league. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Anyway, Denny's outlook real quick, he's a good GM. He 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 understands the game, he understands dynasty. He has really good centerpiece players on his team in Jonathan Taylor and DJ Moore. He doesn't have any draft picks this year, but he has draft picks in twenty-three and twenty-four. I think this team is in a really, really, really good position when we're accounting for the next few years. Um, And Zach Wilson is not a zero yet. Like, we don't know what to expect from Zach Wilson, so I'm not ready to write him off. But uh, I just wanted to give, you know, some constructive, critical feedback about that Zach Wilson over Najee Harris pick because I thought it was a bad pick then, and it's looked like an even worse pick so far throughout the season. Any thoughts on Danny's team before we move on?
1: No, I agree with everything you said. Um, he'll have a, he'll also like hopefully Alan Robinson, like maybe he leaves, gets an upgrade next year. So he should yep. be back to his like uh, uh, low end wide receiver one, like top 15 wide receiver. And, uh, and Michael Pittman is another guy, young guy on his team that I think has a pretty good dynasty outlook and should be good for the next couple of years. So yeah, I agree with you. I think he has, he set up and he also has like a lot of pieces that he can make moves with this team.
0: Agreed. All right, let's move on to Anthony. Uh, what do we think about Anthony's team here?
1: I think, uh, you know, he has he has Lamar Jackson. I think that's what he needs to build around, and he also has some other good pieces with T. Higgins, uh, Noah Fant, Rashad Bateman. Yeah. So he has like a really good like starting like a, I guess like a starting cast. I guess I don't know if that makes sense, but no, it where he could piece it around, piece around those uh, those four guys and really make uh, something shake because he has uh, he has good draft picks. He has um, a bunch of draft picks in twenty twenty two where he can get himself a player, and then he has a so he doesn't have 2023 picks but in 2024 he's loading up on picks and he can keep doing that so i think he has he's in a position where he's not going to be competitive in the next uh 2 years but he can really make this roster look super different by like 2023 where it could be like uh, not not like maybe like a top 7 8 team not not in the playoffs yet but close if he may, thinks things right cuz the like, guys like Lamar T Higgins like they're not going to lose value anytime soon
0: no, Higgins, Bateman, those guys should actually gain value. Fant should actually gain value. He's miscast right now. You know, they got him running a bunch of shallow intermediate routes, and he's really explosive, like downfield tight end. So he could explode one of these years in Dynasty. It just probably isn't going to be this year, which Anthony doesn't need that. But I think he's in, a, he's in a bad situation just because he inherited a bad team, and the stopgap GM that was here before him didn't do a very good job with the maneuvers that they made um and he lost a little bit maybe we'll see how that trade turns out actually I you know I'm really bullish on that 24 class especially the QB element of the class so we'll see how that that Aaron Jones trade works out for him I think it's a trade that he had to do but my question more so was with the GM after two like a like you know I told AFO before he joined my league like man you got you got you got a hustle you get in here because it's a very difficult team to manage the team is not good and when you have an orphan you got to be like You got to be more Burke than a flow. You have to hustle. You really have to hustle to move pieces because you can't get stuck with zeros on teams like this. So my final feedback to Anthony, like Anthony, when you listen to this podcast, like you got some work to do, man. Keep hustling. People are willing to do business in this league. And I can't tell you like what strategy to take, but you know, just sitting on your picks is not going to do a lot for you. In 2022, he does have a ton of picks. He has a compensatory first round pick, also a compensatory second round pick that doesn't show here as well as four other second round picks, and a third round pick. So he's going to be able to get a couple players in this 22 drafts. I don't worry about Anthony uh, draft. And I know he understands, you know, football and I know he understands dynasty, but uh, I think he's got a little more work to do. Um, last team in this division, Chris, you want to take Chris?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, uh, you know, Chris, uh, you, you know, you be talking about him. He had some like bad breaks, but as for a dynasty perspective, I mean, he has some pieces here that I think, uh, could be, uh, pretty good, you know, Julio, uh, Julio, Juju's still 22, so he'll, he'll be on a new team hopefully next year, gain some value for him. Uh, his young receivers with Rondell, Terrace, uh, Trey Lance will be a full-time starter next year. So in terms of dynasty, and he has Cortland Sutton who, uh, hopefully they resign him in the offseason. If not, he'll get big money somewhere. And then Javante will be the lead guy. So in terms of dynasty perspective, I really like Chris's team. And I think it has a, a good outlook for the next two, three years. Again, like, he, I don't think he'll compete right away. But I mean, he has some guys that are set to, like, really have some big seasons in the next couple of years here that can just keep gaining value. Like, Terrace, Rondell, like, those guys are only going to go up. There's some guys like Jalen uh Rager who's who's probably gonna be a zero. <laughs> but uh <he's... laughs> but he has uh, two good quarterbacks. Kirk Cousins is like one of the most underrated super flex quarterbacks and then Trey Young, uh Trey Young. Oh too much bad. Uh
0: yeah.
1: Trey Lance is uh he's already he's he's a Dynasty quarterback one and we saw him get hit he already is Russian, so I think uh, he has a good outlook for his uh, team in Dynasty. I like it though.
0: Yeah, Chris gets like pretty down on his team, like from a dynasty perspective. But he's really into his team week by week, one that one to win games. I think he would be telling his team, a, a wise man by the name of Kevin Gates once said, "Get the fuck up, nigga. You ain't dead yet. You on this team to go out there and put up points." So I I I really respect Chris, like and in and in a management perspective like in season he's he's really wanting to put his team together and win He's in a really difficult spot but I agree with everything you said I think you're spot on a lot of these guys have the opportunity to like really really catapult and value and you know it's going to be interesting to see how this team pans out it's probably going to have to be a team that gets like like a compensatory pick around in 2025 when we do this shit again uh, but I don't want to see another compensatory pick in this league for, for quite some time after we finish this off season because we have so many, but um yeah, I think he's in a better place than it seems right now. Right now is like really ugly. But um he's done some really good things with his roster this season. I think he's he's so much better than he's been in the past. So I'm really, really proud of Chris and how far he's come in terms of, of his dynasty aptitude and his ability to to understand the game because I mean this is a game of strategy, you know what I mean? Like, you, you yeah. have to be on top. You have to understand, like, all levels and all elements of the game. And I think that's where people fuck up in Dynasty. They don't get that. Like, it, it requires a lot of thought, a lot of planning, um, and a lot of, you know, um, um, you know, strategic plan. And, like, looking to the future and also, you know, understanding player values in the market and understanding other people and who you play with. So I've been impressed with what Chris has done. Uh, let's go to Division 2. And real quick, let's start with your team. I'll do it because I can talk about your team quickly. I know about these players off the top of my head. You've got, you know, cornerstone players like um, Joe Burrow, Mark Andrews. You have like kind of players in a tier uh, behind that and Devontae Smith. And I'm still going to throw Brandon Ayuk in that conversation because I think he's just way too talented to disappear from uh, dynasty radars. I, I think we'll see a resurgence of Brandon Ayuk and I'm also really really bullish on Chase Claypool as well he has all the talent in the world right now he's locked into two wide receiver sets he's probably going to be inconsistent in boom or bust because of the QB play this year but I'm still a big fan of the talent as well as the talent of Elijah Moore another receiver that you drafted in the early second round he's a bit miscast right now even though he can play on the outside and he has been getting open he just doesn't have really good QB play I think once they move on from Jamison Crowder, we'll see him exclusively in a slot, and he'll build more value just based on production. You're also a team that has a ton, a ton, a ton of draft picks over the next few seasons, so you are going to be locked in for a successful rebuild, even if it's just on value alone. I mean, you can miss on players in these drafts and still you know, increase the value of your roster by 100%. So really excited about the outlook of this team over the past few years. You were my first-round pick in the Ace of Spades purge. When I smoked all the <laughs> all the goofy motherfuckers out of my league, you were the first one I wanted to get in there. So I've been really impressed with the work that you've done, and I do, I do not worry about this team at all over the next two, three years. And I'll let you talk about your rival. It's a rivalry that only you know about. But why don't you talk about Burke and his three-year outlook in Ace of Spades?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Burke, Burke, Burke. Who I smoked... <laughs> <laughs> uh, <so. laughs> who i smoke la burko <laughs>
0: hey we, we gotta share with the league like what like what we're talking about like why we keep referencing um you know this uh, this track this this, this track, but uh it's gonna be funnier to the league once they end on a joke anyway give your quick thoughts on on burke and his three-year outlook
1: yeah so burke uh, i mean he keeps bouncing around he, barely, he started to rebuild <laughs> went to contender now he's rebuilding again as far as a two or three out three-year outlook I mean I still think it's pretty decent he does have picks he has a uh, uh, Henry Ruggs who's actually looking like he's a startable player like he's like he's a guy that I was wrong on he could play he's gonna give him good flex value TJ Hawkinson's only 24 and he'll be around for a while hopefully a better quarterback play maybe they get some more weapons there where he's not the focal point and then he just has like a uh, you know Cooper Cup will be good but I think after the two, three year window, that's when it kind of gets a little shaky because most of these guys are twenty-seven, twenty-eight. Uh uh, but he does have picks and like he knows his values, he'll be able to hit on his picks. He's uh familiar with auction. So I think uh right now it doesn't look like a great two to three year window, like after the after the two years, but I think he'll be able to make some shit shake because we know Burke, he knows what he's doing. So I think he'll be able to hopefully come off of some of these old players, but it's gonna be a little tougher in this league.
0: Yeah, I think he took – we talked about this on previous spot. I think he took, like, a a couple L zone trades, like, res, results uh, from a results perspective. Uh, we didn't think they were L's like going in, but, like, the one at the top of mind, when the one he brings up all the time is the Hollywood Brown. Yeah, but we'll see. You know, we'll see what Rashad Bateman does to uh, Hollywood Brown's value for, like, rest of the season and where he finishes. But, I mean, I don't know. He has so many draft picks over the next couple seasons. We could see him just hold players like Cooper Cup and just – you know him, like maybe he just tries to contend like as early as next season again. When he yeah, has buy some, some more old guys, yeah, 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 yeah. So we, you just don't know, like you don't know what to expect from Burke. But I, I think his his three year outlook is pretty sound. He knows when to pivot. You know, I, I don't think anybody really agreed with him switching to pretender. I'm I'm sorry, contender. My bad <laughs> um for the few weeks that he did. But he knew when to throw in the towel when he saw how his team stacked up with the rest of the league. Um, so I trust him to be able to manage his team very well. I don't worry about his team either for the next few years. He's one of the best GM pickups in the offseason that I made uh, next to you. Kurt's team, I'll take Kurt's team because it would be really, really quick. Um, Kurt's one of the best GMs of the league. Um, he has one of the most talented rosters in the league. He actually has one of the most talented rosters I've ever seen in Dynasty in the league, and I've built some you know, some really talented teams myself. So I don't think much needs to be said about Kurt's three-year outlook. He's he's going to be at the top for the next few years. Um why don't you take Isaiah's team real quick and we'll get into the last division?
1: Yeah, Isaiah's team for uh for the next two or three years, I mean, this is gonna be a locked in uh contender, gonna be a really strong team. Like uh obviously we talked about Henry, he's he's just uh just gonna keep doing what he's doing. Devontae Adams, he'll be elite anywhere, but he might lose he's either losing Aaron Rodgers or leaving the Packers, one of the two this offseason. So uh, but Kyler's still young. It's just gonna be interesting to see what he does after the next two years because you know some of these guys like Diggs will be 30 uh, same thing with nick chubb and derrick henry so the next two or three years i mean he'll be at the top of the league but it's what he does after that because he's going to have a lot of work to do with this roster i think
0: i agree 100 real quick one of the biggest mistakes i made i wanted to talk about this at the top of the show but i completely forgot one of the biggest mistakes i made in ace of spades this year is not going to get derrick henry I really wanted him. I don't know if you were in the league around this time, but I really wanted the big dog. I just didn't know how to value him from a dynasty perspective because what do you pay for a running back who you presume the cliff is coming for the next couple seasons, you know? That's going to that's gonna be one of my biggest regrets. I talked about, you know, the digs thing. I still regret not sending Antonio Gibson for digs. You know, some of these older players, I really regret not pulling the trigger on. Because I think even with Isaiah's team, Nick Chubb and Derek Henry, they're the top two best pure runners in football from a talent perspective. Who's to say these guys don't play till 30? So I agree. He's going to be a locked-in contender for the next few years. And maybe maybe we... we gave him a little too much value on some of these players we let him we let him buy for the low um anyway let's get into the last division I'll talk about V's real quick because we talked about him so much on the the last few pods V's is is in a great position to um increase the value of his roster over the next couple seasons he doesn't have any 23 picks but he has like just an absolute slew of picks in 2022 um to add to his roster he's got Deshaun Watson uh, he also asked, I forgot he's got Kadarius Tony and, uh, <laughs> Hollywood Brown and Pat Frye. I mean, this team could look entirely different next year. He's definitely not going to be 0 and 12 through week six next season. So I'm really excited. Um, and one thing I will say, we just talked about Isaiah. I'll say this about V's too. they They're two guys that were really, really new to dynasty and they've done well, like really, really being methodical and careful. Um, with their approach and making sure they don't take too many L's, like utilizing their resources, leveraging other people who are really good at dynasty, just double checking on trades that they made and shit like that. They just they 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 didn't have you know a high level of understanding about dynasty, but every step of the way they're being careful and they're being cautious and they make sure that they they're making good moves. So I've been really impressed with those guys. Why don't you take um, Tyreek's team here and um, we'll wrap up really quick with with myself and Rios
1: yeah so uh, Tyreek, he has um, he has a lot of old heads on his team but he does have some uh, you know some younger guys Antonio Gibson uh, Antonio Gibson and Alvin Kamara they could uh, like anchor his team for the next two years Alvin Kamara is uh, he's 26 but he's you know he's a guy that I think will age pretty well just because of his role like he's uh, he's more of a pass catching back and he does have uh, you know older receivers but even a guy like Tyler Locke he's locked up under contract for a few years so he'll be good. I worry about guys like Darryl Henderson because we just don't necessarily know what his role will be next year, but he is a good player and he's really good this year. And, uh, I, I just think, I think he needs to upgrade upgrade his quarterbacks a little bit. And I know, uh, he yes. doesn't have picks over the next couple seasons, but he does have a 24 first and third. Maybe he could start building on those picks for the future because he does, he does have just like his team's just a little old and he needs, I think he needs higher, uh, upside QB play.
0: I think so, too. I think Tyreek really understands where his team is, though. So I think he built this team with a lot of intent. He went out and got these old players on purpose, and he got them for, like, pretty good deals, in my opinion. He got a lot back on that DeAndre Swift trade. And whatever you think about DeAndre Swift, I mean, he's he's a fucking running back. Like, we can't project this dude's going to be good for five years. We can't even project he's going to be good for the next two seasons. It's the most volatile position in fantasy. So I think given what, what he's trying to do, how he's trying to contend over the next two years, um, you know, the trade he made with Swift, Making his roster deeper. I think it makes a lot of sense. I don't worry about him over the next two years, but that third year though, know? that third year, she, <laughs> she, motherfucker, she. So yeah, so yeah, I think he knows what he's doing. I think he holds those picks. I think he adds to those picks. He has the same mindset that we do and how we evaluate his roster. But I mean, he just, he has a ton of just good. I mean, look, his bench's got Hunt, Sanders, Gibson, Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas. I mean, next year his team's going to be strong again. He's going to be that fifth seed, that fourth, fifth seed every season for the next couple of years. Uh, just due to the sheer depth and talent that he has on his roster. I mean, you mentioned Kamara and Joe um, Henderson, but but you know he has Joe Mixon as well. Joe Mixon's performing you know at RB1 level this season, um, and he's under contract for the next few years. So Tariq's team is going to be good. Uh, his team's going to age out all at the same time, so it'll be interesting to see what he does and how he rebounds from that. Uh, but he doesn't have to worry about that for a couple seasons. Um, I'll take Rio's team, and uh, you can just – spit a few words about my team if any like I don't really care if we talk about my team um I like Re- I like what Rio did coming into the season um he stopped out a bunch of picks and decided that there was a window and opportunity for him to sneak into the playoffs that's looking like it's coming to fruition for Rio Rio everybody knows one of my favorite GMs in the league he's been in the league with me for a decade every single year Ace of Spades has been around Rio is the OG of the league and I think he got some really good trades done I mean Unfortunate, Clyde edwards Lair got injured after he had two back-to-back 100-yard games, um, and also unfortunate that Daryl Williams came in and, and scored more fantasy points than CEH has over the past two fucking seasons. Like, don't really know what's good with that. But it'll be interesting to see how to utilize Clyde Every there, how he fits back into that offense in a few weeks when he's eligible to return from IR. But I still think a first and second round pick, good value for CH, And he still has draft picks in 2023 and 2024, as well as enough to get at least a player in the 2022 class. So this is a team he's going to be able to add a lot to. His team is obviously anchored by Dak Prescott. He is an insulated top 10 dynasty asset. And he also has, you know, Debo Samuel, uh, a wide receiver that we probably thought was a wide. You know, what do you think Debo was coming into the season? A dynasty wide receiver four? Yeah, um,
1: yeah. Yeah. Around there. 35, 36. Down so,
0: there. So, and what is he now? Like dynasty wide receiver two?
1: <laughs> At this point. Yeah. He's probably like, I think he's my wide receiver 18 now. So.
0: Yeah. He's like a dynasty wide receiver two uh, with weekly wide receiver one upside. So. Uh, Rio came in, bought Clyde, bought Zeke. He has Dak. I mean, this team is good. It's going to be good. It's going to be a French playoff team for quite some time. And he also have dra- has draft picks to add to the team, which he desperately needs because you see, like, some weeks he's starting, like, fucking Uzoma and Cameron Brait. Like, we can't have that. But um, his team's good enough and deep enough with startable players to where he's going to bash stop. He's going to uh, be able to squeak into the playoffs and he also has the potential to add some youth to this team or flip those draft picks for additional startable players. It just depends. He is going to need some stability at QB two, I feel like, because he's rolling with, you know, the corpse of Big Ben and and the just not very good Carson Wentz. But all in all, I think he has a solid foundation. He has draft picks. He didn't mortgage them all away. He's in a good position for the next few years. What do you think about Rio, real quick?
1: No, I agree with everything you said, and he'll get ETM back next year, add some lineup. Oh, Yeah, I I like I like everything he's done. Uh, I like his team. And I think Zeke is another guy that um, he'll still be good. Like he's a guy that he'll be faded again this offseason, but he's going to be locked into his role, too. So I think he'll be his team will be good next year and has the potential to even uh, some players to get better.
0: Yeah, I agree. All right. Real quick, wrapping this segment up. um, This wasn't by design, but my team last team, uh, Buck, I'll I'll let you talk about KOD and the three year outlook for for uh, my team.
1: Yeah, it it lacks, you know, it just lacks a lot of, like, talent. Like, it doesn't really have much. I think, uh, like, this guy right here, he only had 11 points. DK, should maybe send him to me. Oh, shit. Uh, uh, Jamar Chase, I heard he can't catch. You should send those two guys to me, and then I think everything in this team will have a really good outlook for for the next three years. Hey, Buck,
0: when I see you, (laughs) better hope I don't see you. Hey, Buck, going to get smoked like 23 too. (laughs) All right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, that wraps up that segment, man. Real quick, because we just broke an hour. I was really trying to keep this pod under an hour. We almost did it. We're that we're at one hour and fifteen seconds. But um, really quick, Rio asked me to to include this in this podcast, and we have a few minutes now that we're going to go over to talk about the twenty twenty two rookie draft preview. There are six new GMs in Ace of Spades book, and I know all of you, especially you guys that took over orphan teams are really really excited to have your own built out draft strategy for your first full draft in terms of preparation and acquiring picks to be able to go out and get your own players and add them to your orphans real quick how are you feeling about approaching the 22 draft and are you excited about it
1: yeah i'm super excited man i'm getting uh more excited, like, as the weeks go on for my first rookie auction. I'm finally, like, ready to have some of my own players. been watching even some more college football, and I'm excited to, like, dig into the tape and then over the next, like, couple months of this soft season.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for you, man. I can't I can't wait to see. I mean, a couple of you have already been a part of a, a draft, already a rookie draft, but you guys didn't have an opportunity to, you know, acquire additional draft picks or do a lot in terms of preparation leading into the draft. So this is going to be, you know, the first draft where you can put your own touch on your roster, so I'm really excited for you know UVs, V's Burke, A Flow, um, Isaiah, and um, Tyreek, um, the top ten prospects to keep an eye on. Now these guys are not in any particular order, but Rio asked me to mention these guys, and you know. <sighs> I'm tired of motherfuckers using me as a guinea pig to throw out names <laughs> for them to look at, bros. I know why motherfuckers would be asking me to do this, but I'm not going to put these guys in any particular order. I'm just going to throw out names. Keep in mind, it's a super flex league, and everybody values positional, you know, um, um, you know players differently in terms of, like, how they draft them. So I'm not going to put them in the order that I would draft these players. Uh, but we got Garrett Wilson, wide receiver from Ohio State. If you're in need of a wide receiver— take a look at this guy follow the draft capital he's probably going to be an early day two pick um we got Brees hall the running back out of iowa state keep in mind the running back class is very 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 uninspiring as of now some guys will probably emerge throughout the rest of the season but this is not an rb class to get really excited about if you didn't get your running back um over the past couple seasons uh you're probably gonna have to trade for one but My personal favorite in this class is Brees Hall. He isn't a super dynamic physical talent, but he's really good at getting what's blocked. He isn't super explosive like in terms of lateral agility and quickness, but he does have a lot of moves. Um, I think he's going to be landing spot dependent, same as Isaiah Spiller, the other running back that I'll just mention back-to-back since I I talked about Brees Hall. Isaiah Spiller, he's a running back from Texas A&M, shows a little bit more on a carry by carry basis, then Brees Hall in terms of not getting a lot of negative yards. Uh, Brees Hall breaks breaks a lot of chunk runs, but he gets stuffed a lot too because he isn't very like explosive. Um, but Isaiah Spiller, he's also going to be landing spot, depending in my opinion, because these aren't just these just aren't otherworldly talents at the RB position. Um, first QB I'll mention is Sam Howell out of North Carolina. He was you know a guy that was considered in the QB one conversation with. <laughs> a quarterback who's probably about to enter the transfer portal. He's not in my top 10 or top 20 prospects this year. Um, But um, Sam Howell is a guy that you want to look at if you're in the market for QB. Uh, Matt Corral, quarterback out of Ole Miss. You know, he's a, a a super popular quarterback because he's real flashy and he, he stat pads. He puts up a ton of numbers. He had like almost 40 rushing attempts uh, in a game last week, even though he isn't like a, a, a super explosive athlete. You look at the guy, you don't expect him to run the ball that much. And he's probably not going to run that ball that much in the NFL because he's not a tremendous athlete. But he is a quarterback that could offer you a rushing floor once he gets to the next level. I just I just don't expect it to be nearly what it is in college. But Matt Corral is a quarterback you want to look at if you're in the market. David Bell, one of my favorite wide receiver prospects from Purdue. Take a look at him if you're in the market for wide receiver. Uh, Malik Willis, quarterback out of Liberty. Sorry, Buck, I had to drop his name on the podcast. Uh, Drake London, wide receiver out of USC. Big body, love watching him play pause. Um, really big frame, six Uh Like, he's, he's built the damn near, like, Mike Evans, um, really fun to watch on the sideline, making contested catches, getting vertical. Um, one of my favorite wide receivers to watch so far this year. And Traylon Burks, um, not much needs to be said about Traylon Burks. I mean, hopefully you've, you've seen or heard about him already. He's He's been compared by some to, to Josh Gordon. He's, he's a freak, you know, physically. Um, he has deceptive speed, really good ball skills huge, huge hands. I think this motherfucker is like DeAndre hopkins size hands. He's a really, really good wide receiver prospect. And then the last guy I mentioned in the top 10 is one of my favorite players from last year, year before last, i say one of my favorite freshmen, George Pickens. This is this guy he got injured to season into injury last year. Hasn't come back yet this year. We may see him towards the end down the stretch. So um, it depends on, you know, if he can get back on the field this year, George Pickens, wide receiver out of Georgia uh, to determine whether or not he's he's even going to enter you know this this draft class you know as a prospect you know maybe he wants to come back for a senior season um next year because he didn't get an opportunity to showcase his talent and if you watch Georgia football at all this season this ain't a team that's going to be airing the ball out and showcasing the wide receiver one so I'm interested to see if George Pickens comes back another season if I were him I'd probably just go ahead and Declare for the draft is easy for me to say because I don't have no fucking bread on the line, but all things considered all these wide receivers in a vacuum, I think from my own personal, you know, um, evaluation, George Pickens is probably the most talented wide receiver in this class. That's just my bias. You know, I got the chance to watch this guy as a freshman. I was super, super impressed by his athletic profile. Um, his ability uh, to play outside and as a wide receiver and just his ball skills. Uh, So I'm a really big fan of George Pickens. That's a guy to keep an eye on if he does declare, but it's a guy that probably uh, will go back to school for another year. We'll have to wait and see. Buck, any thoughts on any of these prospects that I mentioned in the 2022 rookie draft preview or any guys that I left off my top 10 list that you want to throw in?
1: Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I'd maybe add uh, another wide receiver, another Ohio State guy, Chris Olave. Chris Olave. He'll come out. Sure. He's, he's a lot of people's favorite. But yeah, I mean, it's still early in the college football season. Like we're going to lose some of these guys to uh, going back to school and based on draft capital. But this class is, uh, it's not as shitty as like some people on Twitter will tell you. I think there's some interesting guys in here and I'm excited to see how the season goes on. And maybe some more guys pop up.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, and one thing I will say, you know, uh, wrapping up this podcast, if any of these receivers that you don't like end up going in the first round, don't do what we did with Kadarius Tony. <laughs> you know, follow the draft capital. I think that's one of the easiest things to do. I think V's did a really good job of this being his first dynasty auction. You know, he followed the draft capital. He was like, shit, this nigga was drafting the first round. I'm going to take him. <laughs> and, and I, mean, it, I mean, it worked, right? So. If you're unsure, follow the draft capital. The team will tell you, you know, how they feel about these prospects. So don't, you know, fade a guy just because you uh, don't believe in his talent. If a team's believe, if the team believes in him, that's a bit more important. I mean, we see it, you know, firsthand every season. I mean, reference the the Leonard Fournette versus Rojo. It doesn't matter what you think about the player. If the coach likes somebody else, that's going to be the most valuable asset for fantasy, the more valuable asset. So anyway, Buck, any final thoughts before we wrap this pod up? We're about eight minutes over, but Anything you want to share before we close out?
1: No, I think that was it. I enjoyed that one. There's a lot of a lot of good stuff in that one.
0: Yeah, it was a jam-packed episode, but I think we covered it pretty well. Only went nine minutes over, so I'm pretty happy with the result. Anyway, I'm rambling, man. Drop the outro. Holla at you boys later. And remember, it's up there. And it's still
1: stuck there.
0: Fuck, let me yes, get a Yes, sir,
1: sir. <laughs> 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 yes, sir.
0: Peace.